Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Hi, this is Steve Norman, and thanks so much for joining us again at Hope Through Hard Stuff. I'm honored to have as our guest today, Dr. Kurt Stevens. He's one of the staff therapists here at Winning at Home. And we're here to talk about a topic that's pretty complex, but really relevant to all of our lives. We want to talk about grief today. Yeah. Kurt, tell me a little bit about how you got into counseling, and then we can kind of tackle the issue on the table. Yeah, sure. So um, my bachelor's degree is in Christian ministry. And uh, when I was working on my my bachelor's and I knew I wanted to get it in church work, um, I also knew that a big part of church work is taking care of the people in your church. And I pretty quickly decided that if I was going to do that, I wanted to do it well. So when I graduated from Indiana Wesleyan with my bachelor's degree, I started in on my master's in counseling almost immediately and uh, was licensed and then went on and got a PhD as well. And so that's how I really got into the counseling. That's great. Kurt, what was your PhD in? Talk, talk to me a little bit Yeah, well, my research. PhD uh, actually is in counselor education okay. and supervision. And so um, through the years, I've done a lot of uh, teaching as well. Love to teach uh, lots of different psychology stuff, um, human growth and development, uh, psychology and personality courses, things like that. Um, and I do a lot of supervising as well. I'm pretty involved here actually at Winning at Home with uh, our internship program and uh, do some supervising of the interns who are also working on getting their hours toward licensure. Kurt, as a pastor and as a clinician, what, what have you observed about grief? Oh boy, grief is something that theoretically we all know that death is really just part of the life cycle. But at the same time, especially here in the U.S., we do not do well with actually processing death. And so many people really don't grieve well. Frankly, they they don't give themselves permission to intentionally say, I need to grieve. I need time here to work through this loss or these losses in my life. Kurt, what is it about our culture or our makeup that prevents us from being able to to go to that place? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. I think some of it is sort of just the American mindset of pretty fierce independence. Yeah. Um, but also, I think that ours has become really a medicated culture where if something doesn't feel good, we want to make it go away. And so we're going to medicate or we're going to avoid, um, and we may medicate in a variety of ways. We may actually get some actual uh, meds from our doctor, um, may slip into, you know, some sort of addictive behavior to not have to deal with the pain that is actually going on. Kurt, what are the long-term effects of not addressing grief head on? I mean, you talked about some of the behaviors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where can that arc lead if we don't arrest it in due time? Yeah, I, I think that, that certainly there is always the, uh, the the possibility of, of some depression building in. Um, just recently came across a, a concept that really a lot of uh, depression will show up a lot of times, like even in regrets, should have done this or I wish I could have done that. Um, and if we don't allow ourselves to, to really grieve, uh, I think that that, that can, can creep in. Um, I think that uh, 
even just a, a, a bit of an, an anger, a bit of an edge um, that uh, we, we kind of just want to stay away from anything that might make us sad or might trigger some of the uh, the emotions and memories of the loss because we can't make it go away. It's in there. We may keep it stuffed. We may keep it bottled up, but it's using up energy inside of us if we don't allow ourselves to grieve. So it's going to demand a reckoning sooner or later. Some way, somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about the stages of grief. A lot of us are familiar, at least with that concept. How, right. how does that work or how does a misunderstanding of that not work? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the stages of, of grief and dying, that was really put forth by uh, a woman named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in the late 60s, early 70s. And she posited that there were five kind of classic stages that people would go through. And the first one uh, was called denial. Since then, we've sort of adapted it to be more like shock and denial. And and that one, I think people do experience quite a bit. It, it's, it's very common to be the, the first experience that we have uh, where people are like, I can't believe this actually happened, or I still think that I'm just in a bad dream, or this is some kind of sick joke, and, you know, dad's going to come walking out of the, his bedroom and go, ha, gotcha, um, because we truly, it just overwhelms us to actually reckon with death, whether it's a traumatic death, like I say, a car accident or something like that, or whether it's anticipated along sickness, maybe cancer or even old age, but the finality of it, we really have a hard time with. Well, then Kubler-Ross said that we moved into an anger stage. And the anger stage, pretty self-explanatory. But sometimes we're angry at the person who died. Sometimes we're angry at the fact that it happened to begin with. Um, Then she said that as you continued in the grieving process, you'd move more into a stage of depression. And in this stage of depression, it's sort of, I remember walking through a grief experience with a gal who, she loved summer and loved the beach, but uh, she she told me, you know, I just, I feel like when I'm at the beach, I just have a personal little rain cloud over me right now. Mm. And and that's the depression side. The depression experience of, of grief is really where you start to feel it. And, and, and you, you feel the weight of and the reality of like, wow, this really is going on. This is really happening. Then Kubler-Roth, she said that the fourth stage is something called bargaining. And, and this is where like classically this would be like, oh, I'd give anything to just have one more day with mom. Or, oh, yeah, I so wish that she could be here for Thanksgiving this year. Um, and, and so that's a part of the, the grief process, too. And then finally, she said you moved into a stage called acceptance. We've come to call that more like the new normal, um, where you eventually come to terms. That's a, that's a phrase I use a lot when I'm, I'm walking through grief process with my clients. Um, I don't like the, the term acceptance quite as much because I think it's kind of a positive spin, you know, but I think coming to terms with the fact that my life Life has continued to go on, and this is this is how life is now. It's different, but I'm continuing to live. So those are the five stages kind of briefly explained, but what research has shown us is that really we, we don't go through stages in like lockstep where we go from one to the next to the next to the next. In fact, it's a pretty tangled up mess. 
Um, and, and we can go through all of those stages in one day when we're really in the throes of like the active grieving process. And frankly, even when she put that forth, she was saying not everybody goes through all the stages or not everybody experiences all of them. We might get stuck in anger and really never get through the other ones. Um, and so I really, truly use that famous verse from Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I think that, that that's the process that I really try to help people through is that, man, if you look at a valley, and I'm not talking about like, you know, the sound of music kind of valley. I'm talking about like rough terrain and and sometimes you don't know where you're headed and there are switchbacks and there's difficult stuff you have to walk through but you will get through it if you let yourself grieve you will get through it and so it's pretty uncharted territory for almost everybody but you will get through it it's really helpful to hear you say that because i think that when i first heard about the stages of grief i was like oh there's there's a checklist or there's there's a there's a linear plan to get yes. out of this and to hear that it's cyclical, that it, that it ebbs and flows, that it comes in and goes out. A buddy once told me, he goes, sometimes grieving, he lost his wife at a very young age. And he said, sometimes grief is like being dropped in the middle of a forest and you have to find your way out, but there's no map. Yeah. That, that oh. it's okay to feel overwhelmed. I think that is so true. Kurt, for people who are being feel paralyzed in some of those early stages, what is it like to, to express that grief early on in the journey? What can that look like? Yeah, well, and that's a good point, too. That's a great question because another thing that, that we typically, I think we sort of assume, is that you haven't really grieved until you've had that real profound, gut-wrenching, emotional reckoning with, oh my gosh, they're they're gone. And we fall to our knees or we just melt in a puddle of tears and wailing and agony. But really, that's, that's kind of misinformation. Because if you think about it, somebody who's kind of hardwired to be a little more analytical in their approach to life in general, they're probably going to process grief much the same way. And so I I think it's important for us to give ourselves that kind of permission. Now, I don't want that to turn into a kind of avoidance, like we talked about a few minutes ago, where, like, hmm, I don't think I want to go there. I don't really want to grieve. But to realize that not everybody's going to cry it out. It's just not going to happen. If somebody takes a more intellectual approach to life, they're probably going to process grief and they'll still process it, but they're going to process it probably more intellectually and try to figure it out. So that's one thing that that we have to understand is that there's not like a classic, okay, now you've grieved because you just fell apart. And Kurt, it seems like sometimes there can be tension in relationships because we're wired differently and because we grieve differently. If two people lose the same person that they love, but they express that differently, sometimes there can be judgment or criticism or concern that because this person isn't grieving the way that I'm grieving, maybe they don't care about the person who's gone as much as I do. Yeah, I think that can be very true. And I think sometimes in my experience, I think I've seen maybe more commonly the person who's not emotional will will begin to sort of battle with like, hmm, am, am I going through this? I've had clients where we're maybe a couple months into it and they're like, I think I'm okay. And I'll 
go through a process of just keeping the conversation going. Um, and I'm trying to assess, you know, maybe something in there and haven't really tapped into, or maybe there's something overlooked. And, and there have been times where at the end of a session where they come in and they say, it feels like it's not been long enough, but I, I kind of think I'm better. And, and there are times that I've gone, you know, I, I think you are too. I, I think you've worked through what you need to work through. And so, again, I, I think that that's a, a real challenge for us. Like you said, especially if one person is really, really like is manifesting all those classic experiences of grief and the other person's maybe going through it in a different way, I think it's important for us to respect the fact that we are going to navigate this differently. Kurt, talk a little bit about what it means to give yourself permission in the grief process. Yeah, I think that's so, so important um, for us to to give ourselves permission. And what I mean by that, this is a life-changing thing. When we navigate the process of grief, um, it's all-consuming. And for us to expect that we're just going to plow through it and get to the other side of it, that's not grieving well, and that's not taking care of yourself through the process. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where it just it hurts to get out of bed, or you just find yourself, like I said, that gal saying, there is a dark cloud over me today, period. And, and to give yourself permission to say, yeah, you know, this is, this is a rough day for me. Or to know that so-and-so's birthday is coming up and like, oh, man, I'm just really, really struggling with the fact that we're coming up on a birthday here. And, and so it's important for us to give ourselves permission. But I think sometimes it's equally, maybe even a little more important to give ourselves permission to have good days. Because the fact of the matter is, even though we're grieving and we're going through what is truly an all-consuming process, the day-to-day stuff of our life continues to move forward, and that includes having good days. Mm-hmm. That includes being able to have a great breakfast with a good friend, and you go, I actually laughed a little bit there. This is a good day. And give yourself permission. Don't go, oh, no, I shouldn't be having a good day because, you know, Dad just died a month ago. Well, yeah, but your life is still moving on, and it includes the good and the bad. Yeah. So give yourself permission to experience them. Kurt, you also talk about what it means to be receive comfort from God, and I call to mind that that scripture when we we, we read about Jesus being born in Bethlehem and Herod sending out the soldiers, and yeah. they they massacre these young children. And then there's a quote from the Old Testament said, and and th- there was a voice of Rachel weeping, yeah. refusing to be comforted because yeah. her children were no more. Yeah. And those of us who have felt deep personal loss know those moments where well-intentioned comfort is appreciated. It never really touches that deep wound. What what does it mean to walk through that season, Kurt? Sure. You know, this is the, the truly spiritual aspect, I think, of grief, is that it's just such a deep wound for us that if we really just allow God to be present in that time of grief, we can receive uh, just a, a true, true comfort that I talk about sometimes even when, when Paul says uh, in Philippians 4, 7 about the peace that passes understanding. I love the idea that sometimes God's peace uh, 
can just be just foundational for us. And I pray that over my clients quite a bit when we're doing grief work, that God's peace would overwhelm understanding. There's really no reason, if you look at the circumstances of grieving, that I would, I would feel peace here. But that God's peace would just be foundational, would be bedrock while they're going through the challenges of the grieving process. And I think of also when Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when he talks about, like, we have the God of all comfort mm. who, who's there to comfort us in all of our needs and all of our troubles and all of our trials. And I think that's so, so critical for us that he, he really can be present to us in very unique ways during the grieving process. If we do let him comfort us, we can then pass on comfort to others. I want to be careful about like not making that just like I'm just going to be a conduit where God gives me some comfort, so boom, I can go out and just give it to other people. Um, But would we allow him to really be present to us through the Holy Spirit, through the fact that that's part of what the Holy Spirit is there for, is to be our comforter in these times of trial, in these times where like everything is overwhelming, and yet I do feel comfort. Kurt, how do we create mental or physical or spiritual space for God to give us that gift of comfort that we so desperately need? I know in my own journey, when I, I lost my dad just about two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and, and I think that abstractly I understood that God wanted to comfort me, but I think that at a more visceral level, sometimes I was like, well, God has other things that he's got to do today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. I, I'm on my own. I just got to kind of gut yeah. this out. Yeah. One thing, and this goes back to the permission piece for me, Steve, and that is um, I think it's very, very important for us to engage with God and engage honestly. There are times where I don't get what's going on. In my personal life, um, my wife and I went through just a a crazy season of loss where uh, my stepdad died in March of 2018. Uh, Then my dad died pretty suddenly in November of 2019. My wife's stepdad died in February of 2020. And then her dad died in August of 2020. My goodness. So between March of 2018 and August of 2020, we lost all of our dads. There were a lot of times where we just didn't even know how to process this. We, we just didn't. And I think it's very, very important for us to remember that God has the perspective of all eternity. And we've got really, really limited perspective. And so I think sometimes carving out space to really appropriately experience this is to just even sometimes shake our fists at heaven and be like, God, like, what is going on here? How long do I have to? That's what Psalm 13 was all about. David was like, how long do I have to do this? How long do I have to, to struggle and you're not present? I don't feel you. I don't see you. I don't get you. And I think it's so important for us to do that because that's when God says, yeah, I know. I know this is overwhelming you and, and I can't make it go away, but I'm there. I will be there with you through this. It's good to have that reminder that God is big enough and strong enough to contain not just 
the sorrow, but but the anger and yeah. the lament and the yeah. frustration and the disbelief and the doubt that comes with that whole package, that it's okay. Some of us come from traditions where, you know, you only pray brief, polite prayers. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And maybe our grieving is an invitation for us to take our authenticity with God to a another level. One of the the dangers that we have, especially I think as believers, I think is when we come across the verse that, that we don't mourn as those who have no hope, I think we misinterpret that as, well, then we just shouldn't mourn. And, and that's so off because the fact of the matter is what we're mourning is we're mourning the loss in our own lives. We're mourning the hole that is now there where my dad or my stepdad once was. I mourn the fact that there's not a phone call I can make to go, hey, just wanted to talk to you today. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. And I mourn that. Now, I don't mourn as one who has no hope because ultimately I know that there will be a reunion yeah. in heaven. But I mourn and I feel that loss. Yeah. Yeah. I had that moment yesterday. I was... um Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just scrolling through the favorites on my phone, and I saw yeah. my dad's name yeah. in there. And it just took me a minute to realize that that's not his, it's not his number anymore. Like, if I called yeah. it, it's not even his voicemail. Like, there's a stranger on the other side of that. And Same. there's just moments to be able to say, like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's real. Yeah. And it's there. But, but you're right. I think that when our grieving yeah. happens against the backdrop of a resurrection, mm-hmm. it reframes it all. It doesn't take the sting out of it. Right. But it takes the long-term horror yeah. that there's there's nothing redemptive yeah. behind yeah. it. Does that make right. sense? Oh, man, yeah. Well, and I think because, too, grief is a season. And, and if we understand that God is present to us in every season. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes it, it's easy to believe that God's with us, obviously, when right. we're being blessed and, yeah. you know, it's smooth sailing sure, and sure. stuff like that. But if if we can also just understand that during times of grief and during times of great loss, if we pay attention to God during those times, he can meet with us in ways we would never even be able to experience because we would never be open to it when times are great. There's also this this real sort of tender kind of intimate time where I can just be broken with God and go, I don't even have words here. Yeah. Um, this is this is pain and and this is confusion. I, I I've never ever gone through God. What what do you have? Yeah. Like like where are you in this? You know. And that genuine kind of calling out. I I think really really he draws near in unique ways for us. Sometimes we get stuck on an individual journey. We need other yeah. people to help push us forward. Yeah. Talk about the role that community plays in the healthy processing of grief. Yeah, such a great point because uh, we've got this little catchphrase, I think, in a lot of like counseling and stuff, and, then, and that's simply that isolation intensifies. Really, whatever you're going through. If you're going through depression and you isolate yourself, you're just going through like you got the, the, the echo chamber of your own emotions and thoughts and stuff like that. And the same is true with, with grief. If we pull ourselves back and we just keep ourselves to ourselves, uh, that intensifies, and not in a good way. It, it, in, it intensifies the actual experience of our grief. So what we do and what we need to do is we need to make sure that we're connected to our support system. And I don't care if that's one other person. 
it, it might be a handful of people. It might be a whole church or a whole group that, that you're connected to. But you have to know who your support system is and stay plugged in. I remember this was a long time ago. I was in college. You know the the Jewish term of sitting Shiva? Yeah. When we probably see the best example of that uh, in, in the Bible with Job. And when he was just devastated because everything blew up on him or shut, I should say crashed in on him in one day. And we see that his, his three friends came. And before they ever talked, before they ever started debating what happened and why, Scripture says that they sat with him for seven days. Mm. And they were there with their presence. I think that's so important for us to know that sometimes that's the best we can do. And I'll come back to my story now. I was in college. My grandma on my mom's side, when, when she died, I can still picture, I grew up on a family farm and uh, one of the, the air, places where we had a lot of calves that we had to, to feed every morning and every afternoon uh, was back behind my grandma's house. We would just drive down this dirt lane and, and feed all the calves. And I remember one morning driving uh, past, and there were a lot of cars in grandma's driveway. And I was like, that's, uh, that's probably not good. And uh, pretty soon, uh, one of my cousins had just walked down the lane and said, you know, grandma's gone. You, should, you need to come to the house. And so, and I remember later that day or maybe the next day, I remember my friend Brad just knocking on the door at my mom's house, and uh, he said, come on, let's, let's go to lunch. And I remember going to McDonald's with him. I don't know if we said a word. I could not tell you mm-hmm. if we even talked, but I remember his presence. Yeah. And I remember that still 37 or so years later. And I think it's so critical for us to know that sometimes just our presence in people's lives can be a source of comfort that they desperately need. Kurt, that's a great story. And I think that those of us who have gone through grief can point to not conversations, but people and moments and places where we were reminded that we weren't alone. It's good to be grateful for those people who walk through us. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of gratitude, how, how, do, how do we shift towards gratitude yeah. towards God, even in the face of deep loss? That's a key point in this as well. And that is sometimes, like I, I can remember a few years ago, walking through this with a, a couple, an older couple who had lost their son in his late 30s, early 40s to cancer. And, um, and, and, and they just, they, they were so broken over it. And and I remember just encouraging them, you know, the next time that you're really, really broken over this, maybe just thank your son for the years you had with him. Hmm. Think about a particular experience. It just really just comes to mind immediately. It doesn't have to be anything profound, uh, but thank him. Or thank God for those times. Um, because, again, we going all the way back to, to when we first started our conversation here, Steve, death is part of the life cycle. Yeah. And, and when we get to it, and we all get to it, uh, I think sometimes we just have to be able to understand, you know, our time here on earth is limited. And sometimes it comes into such stuff 
dark focus for us when you lose. My stepmom died when she was 38 from a brain tumor. And, and like, that stuff doesn't make sense, you know? Um, it, it doesn't make sense when a child dies. You know, that's just not the way it's supposed to be, right? you know? Right. But also to, to realize, yeah, but, you know, the time that we had with them, it was a blessing. It really was. And, and to say thank you for the times that we had together. Thank you for the lessons that I learned when I was hanging out with you. Or thank you for, you know, giving me a love for painting or whatever, you know. And, and the other side of this is that, that clinically it's also shown that gratitude can really help us mm-hmm. because it actually kind of changes us chemically a little bit and, and brings a little bit of that serotonin and a little bit of that dopamine back into our system to go, now we literally are feeling a little bit better okay. as well. So good to hear. I remember hearing Jerry Sitzer, who wrote the book, A Grace Disguised, say once, he goes, and his story is horrific. He lost his mother, his wife, and one of his children in the same day in a car accident. Oh, man. And he talked about how his rage against God was like, I didn't deserve for that to happen that way. But when he made that shift towards gratitude, he goes, I, I didn't deserve to have an amazing mom and a loving wife yeah. and a treasured child either. And so to be able to, to flip that, it's like I didn't deserve the nightmare, but I didn't necessarily like do anything to earn the sunshine either. Right. And so to be able to hold both of those intention yeah. was uh, was a shift towards perspective. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about how we find good in the midst of that dark valley? I remember hearing on a podcast that one of the protégés of Kula Ross, you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. actually petitioned her estate to add a sixth stage to the process, which mm-hmm. was which was finding meaning in, mm-hmm. in the loss. What can that look like, finding good or finding meaning or finding redemption even in the midst of that heartache? So one of the interesting things about the grieving process, and I, I, I tell almost every client this at the outset, is I just let them know, look, there are some aspects of, of this that are universal. People walk through this all the time. There are some aspects of this that are going to be so intensely personal and are going to be very unique to you. And so I think that, that there's a degree to which that as you go through the process of grieving, it's a little bit mystical almost in that there really isn't like a guidebook to say, you had mentioned earlier about checking boxes, right? There's not a checklist for how to grieve. And so I, there's a degree to which where, and again, I feel like it sounds even a little mystical, but to give yourself over to it. To the grief. To the grief. And to say, I'm, I'm going, to, I'm going to, to be in this place. Um, I think that what it does is it allows you to see what is going on in this season. It can lead you to maybe even a new career path. It can lead you to be volunteering. Uh, It can lead you to all kinds of unique sort of understandings, insights, awarenesses that you can then carry with you going forward. And so I think that, that there's a degree to which, like, again, we don't want to be cliche about it and go, okay, well, this is great, I guess, then. That's, that's not it. It's just realizing that you know, God is, and, and I know Romans 8.28 has become a little bit of a cliche, that all things work together for those who love the Lord, but there's truth there. Sure. And, and to just know for your, yourself that there is good developing here. Something good is coming from this. 
and and don't know what I don't know when I don't know how but I know that God is changing me and that's what grief does grief changes us and we have to understand that too like your story will never be the same uh, your life will change when you have grieved um, but the thing is, and this is what I talk to clients about too, Psalm 23, I think the key word in that verse that I shared a little bit ago, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, is the word through. We're not meant to live in that valley. We're not meant to be stuck in grief, not knowing our way out for the rest of our lives. We should find our way through it to the other side. So when you talk about giving yourself over to it, in, in my mind, I have the image of, of like fighting, like struggling against the grief, trying to ward mm-hmm. it off mm-hmm. versus then surrendering to it. And, I, and if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that the reason that we can do that with courage is because we know that the season isn't indefinite. No pun intended, but it's not a death sentence. Right. It doesn't last forever. That joy does come yeah. in the morning. Uh, yes, completely. I- completely agree to know that this is a season it can be a very difficult season it is a difficult season it can be a lengthy season but it's a season Kurt we've been talking pretty specifically about like the actual physical death of a loved one but grief can also surface when there's the end of a relationship or the death of a marriage or maybe a child choosing a path that we wouldn't have wanted for them how are those griefs similar and how are they different they're similar in that we have to well, we don't have to, but ideally we see them as a loss. And it can be the loss of a dream. It can be a loss of like, oh, man, I, I really, if my a child is, is making choices that don't seem to be going down a good route, you go, oh, I just, I really thought that they were going to be able to do this, 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 and I don't see it now. Right. And so it's a letting go. It's allowing yourself to say, wow, you know, um, I, I need to adjust to that. Um, and, and so I think it's important for us to, to understand. Sometimes people think that, that using the word, I have to grieve this a little bit, uh, it might sound a little overdramatic, but it's not. Um, there are, you're right, there are a lot of losses that, that impact us. There's a loss of maybe a marriage through a divorce or, or maybe you've been terminated and, and you didn't see it coming and all of a sudden you're like, I'm, I, I don't know what is next in my life. That's grief. That's a loss. And so that's where they're similar. Where they're probably not as similar is, is really like very few of these are as final sure. as, as grieving the death of a loved one. Kurt, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for giving of your experience, your heart, and your wisdom. Absolutely. You've been listening to Hope Through Hard Stuff. If you need more resources from Winning at Home, you can check us out at www.winningathome.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.